From Hype HQ in Chicago, Illinois, Startup Hype Man presents the Goat to Market Show. What's up, everyone? I am your host, Raj Nation, the founder and chief pitch artist of Startup Hype Man. This podcast is where we bring you founders, company leaders, and creatives who are building it, who are doing it, who have been there and done that. And they pull back the curtain on their go-to-market strategies so that you can build a venture that you love and become the GOAT of your industry. Want first listen on episodes before anyone else? Subscribe to our newsletter at StartupHypeMan.com. You will get alerts every Sunday morning when we release new episodes. All right, let's hear how today's guest is becoming the GOAT. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the microphone from Silicon Valley, California. He is the co-founder and CEO of Fireflies AI. Please welcome Krish Ramane. Hey, Krish. Hey, that was quite an <laughs> intro. <laughs> did, I, did, did it blow out the speaker? I've, I've realized more recently when listening back to episodes that apparently I, I tried to put the mic further back intentionally. Did it, did it, did it play through for you? Yeah, I played through. Good, good. All right. Well, all of our listeners who've been following along with this show, you finally got a clean one in there where it did, I didn't blow out the speaker and peek too hard. All right. Anyways, like I said, he is Chris Ramanini, co-founder and CEO of Fireflies. You've probably heard or seen Fireflies join one of your meetings before. In fact, Fireflies is also on this podcast that we're recording right now. Um, they are the AI meeting note taker, they automatically join your meetings. And what do they do? They take notes. They transcribe the meeting so you can go back and use it as a reference point for many reasons, whether that's for sales, whether that's for catching back or checking back on things that were said in internal meetings and so many things in between. It's If you work in tech, if you've worked at a startup, if you work in startups in any way, there's a pretty good chance you've had Fireflies on one of your meetings, whether it's because you signed in with Fireflies or someone you were on a meeting with signed in with Fireflies. And that's not just something that maybe has been happening in your life. It's been happening in a lot of people's lives. Fireflies AI has 150,000 organizations under its name, and they have taken notes in different meetings on behalf of 5 million different people. They've done a lot in this journey, they most recently raised a $19 million Series A round led by the famous and legendary Coastal Ventures. And their advisors and their board includes people like the who have held roles like the CMO of Salesforce, the Chief Product Officer of Slack, and so much more. Now, what has been fueling this rocket ship level growth has been a product-led growth strategy. So today, Krish, once again, welcome to the show. Our topic today is scaling product-led growth. Why is this on your mind and why is it important to you? Hey, thank you for the you know, intro and uh, everything you've said. It's, it's very exciting to see the journey uh, and how far we've come. And I, I always say it's only the start. Um, I think product-led growth was in tune with how I saw myself as a buyer. Anytime I want to go buy software, I don't want to be paywalled by a or gatekeeped by a salesperson. Um, and I felt like that should be the common way that you should be able to go and explore and purchase a product on your own. So I do believe that 70% of software buyers are willing to go do the research themselves, 
have some level of understanding and want to try before they buy or experience the product. So we took that philosophy to the extreme and said, look, if you don't want to ever talk to any person at Fireflies and you just want to go try it out for yourself uh, and see if it's something you want to buy, great, we'll do it. And then we've also said, we'll go one step beyond that and we'll also offer a free tier. So we have a free trial as well as a free tier. And that eliminates a lot of friction. For me, product-led growth is a function of eliminating as much friction as possible for the buyers and getting them to that aha moment. Um, and that really was the uh, imperative for us uh, from the get-go. We're going to dive a whole lot more into the product-led growth strategy that has led to Firefly's success thus far. Before we do, let's learn a little bit more about Krish, the person. Krish, my first question here is, how many siblings do you have, if any? If you do have siblings, where do you rank in terms of age and how has that impacted your lens on relationships with people? I have one younger brother. We have about a six and a half year age gap. Six and a half years, you're the older brother. So how do you think being the older brother has shaped how you look at building relationships? Um, I think as an older brother, uh, it was a little bit easier because we didn't really fight. Um, and he would <clears throat> follow in my footsteps on a lot of different things. And that was very uh, interesting and easy. And I didn't have to explain myself. <clears throat> so yeah, it was it was very, very, um, I think, easy growing up. I would honestly say he's probably more mature and more like uh, entrepreneurial and savvy uh, because that's how we were raised at home. That's all I would talk about. So from an early age, he was very business oriented. But I think I rubbed off on my younger brother through my actions more than me telling him what to do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a really interesting dynamic, almost like a parent-child dynamic. Yeah. Interesting. So was starting a company something you always had on your mind or did you just kind of fall into it? I've always wanted to work for myself. But that was something that I had from the get-go when I was younger. And when I would travel to India and see so many family members that were being entrepreneurial for my grandparents, my great-grandparents downwards, um, I felt like that's something that I wanted to do. And when my dad came to the US, he worked for a big tech company. And so I'm sure deep down inside, that's something he wanted to do as well. But when you have kids, responsibilities, uh, you are less willing to take those risks and for valid reasons. So I think it was definitely the ambition inside where I wanted to think about where my grandfather and my great-grandfather were um, in terms of being entrepreneurs, at least on my dad's side. On my mom's side, everyone's a doctor. So you know, typical <laughs> Indian family, either you're an engineer or doctor. Um, so for me, I was definitely inspired by that. And uh, I was honestly going to go down the medical profession route. Um, but there was something that drew to drew me to the idea of being able to have an impact on a lot of people and being able to essentially build something from scratch, bring people together. And, uh, you know, it's like when you start a club or group in college or high school, that was the same feeling when we started uh, a startup. And I always say this, I would rather work 120 hours a week for myself than 40 hours a week for someone else. Uh, so that was the natural result of it was, yeah, I, I always saw myself starting something. And you mentioned there, you said, you know, the typical um, path for Indian families is doctor or engineer, but what's atypical in what you said is that you said entrepreneurship actually runs in your family. And I think for a lot of Indian families, that's not necessarily the case. So going back to your grandparent and your great-grandparents time, like what were those businesses that they were creating? Yeah, I 
hear about this all the time from my my father, but my great grandfather started out in manufacturing and like brick building businesses uh, back in the city. They were actually one of the first people to move to uh, one of the cities uh, in India. And then through that, they invested in real estate, they did real estate development, farmland, agriculture. Uh, and so they were actually in multiple different areas. And they also were in the film uh, business. So uh, they just basically took each one as a stepping stone. And um, I hear great stories about my great grandfather. Uh, but I think he was a very inspirational, very disciplined person. Um, and uh, maybe that runs in there. And so I, was, I used to be in awe growing up that that's something that I wanted to do. And if you're proactive, you could, in theory, build something successful in any industry. So, you know, manufacturing to real estate to film is completely different. Um, but that was something that uh, that amazed me. And then I think through my grandfather's generation, uh, they focused more on maintaining those businesses. So I wouldn't say necessarily as entrepreneurial as my great grandfather was. Uh, but I think we lost that at some point in time uh, where uh, that entrepreneurial spirit kind of died down. Um, <laughs> so I almost think of myself as like the second coming of that and just reinvigorating, um, that, uh, within our, uh, within our family dynamics. So, um, it, it's great. Uh, I honestly, I haven't thought about it much since until you brought this up, but I would say maybe that was something that inspired me in my childhood. Yeah. Look at you Look at, bringing back the legacy, right? I love it. I love it. All right. So, Let's, you know, in this journey here, let's talk through like, you know, you, you always knew you wanted to work for yourself. Did you always know you wanted to create an AI virtual meeting note-taking product? So actually, Fireflies is a culmination of seven different pivots and seven different iterations. Uh, we actually used the name way back in college when we were working on a few hackathon projects. One of the original products was actually a drone that would deliver food. That was the initial concept that we applied for. And drones at night look like fireflies. So my uh -huh. co-founder and CTO is an aeronautical engineer. Uh, he went to MIT and he loved working with drones. So we just stuck with the name fireflies for all the different hackathons and projects that we did. Uh, later, we built like a Chrome extension that could review your emails and tell you which emails you should prioritize. Uh, and then we built another tool that can track all your LinkedIn messages. And then if you make promises to follow up with people, it would create an automatic to-do list. So nothing related to the note taker, but there was a common theme here, which was we wanted to help understand and unlock the knowledge buried inside conversations, whether it was emails, Slack messages, or LinkedIn messages. And then we fell upon this idea that hey, all of these are cool, but we need to go after something where it's so unique, it's so new, and no one has done it before. And we said, where do most people spend their time? I would say 60% of a knowledge worker's time, 40 to 60% of a knowledge worker's time is spent in meetings. Meetings are incredibly expensive. A 30-minute meeting between four people will cost about $1,600 to $2,000. Uh, and a lot of times you will forget what was said in that meeting two hours afterwards. I can go back to an email I sent two years ago, but why can't I go back to a meeting and recall information uh, I discussed two hours ago? So that was the starting point. And when I was a PM at Microsoft, I realized seven, eight hours of the day were in meetings. A lot of time was spent in meetings. And so I thought there was just so much information there, like all the follow-up emails I have to send, all the specs that I have to write up from meetings. Um, and I felt like this is something we can tackle. 
And one thing that I did notice at larger companies is the executives usually have a assistant or business admin that helps them out with all of the stuff. And they can just focus on the conversation, knowing that someone else will be sending the follow-up afterwards. And I felt, what if we could use AI to democratize that for every person in the workplace? And that was the humble beginnings that sparked Fireflies. I never would have guessed the true starting point was delivery drones. And that's why the name is the name. <laughs> that's that's amazing. That's amazing. And then, but then from there, you started to get into, as you said, like a common thread of trying to figure out this like communication gap people were having and, and this like communication and memory gap, I think. So given that, you know, Fireflies again today is this meeting note taker, it's literally logged into our podcast right now. So if afterwards, if either of us wanted to, we could go back and get the full transcript of this whole thing. Let's talk about now that our audience is fully aware of, you know, what the product is, if they haven't already experienced it themselves, let's come into our core conversation today around scaling product-led growth. Um, you might, you know, you touched on this in your introduction, but I'd love you for you to just expand on it a little bit more. Like fundamentally, what do you see is the the heart of product-led growth? If someone says, I'm going to embark on a product-led growth strategy for my company, what are they actually saying? What are they, what are they proclaiming? Yeah, that's a good question. And to the point about the name Fireflies, we didn't come up with the, the backstory behind it, but our customers did. So, oh, I totally get why you call, you're calling it Fireflies uh, because it's like a fly on a wall that's sitting silently and taking notes. Uh, so we didn't come up ah. with that story. The customers came up with it afterwards <laughs> and said, that's such a brilliant name. And then another person you're said, like, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, this is great because you're lighting up all the conversations inside an organization. And usually that that's was where my head went. I was like, oh, it's lighting up. It's lighting up the co- or lighting up the room, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, great, we'll take it. We'll run with it. But credit <laughs> to our customers for uh creating the narrative after the fact. Sometimes the legend is generated after the fact. So yeah, I think that yep. was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's um, great. For product-led growth, I think that one thing people have to realize is maybe not all products are fundamentally oriented for product-led growth or to a full extreme. So for example, you're building enterprise security. Um, maybe it's something that you can't try before you buy. You actually have to go to the stakeholder, the decision maker, uh, the CTO, the CIO, and get them to buy in. So there are certain products that when you're selling to the government or when you're selling to large, large enterprises um, that require a lot of implementation, uh, product-led growth necessarily wouldn't work there. But if you look at products like Zoom, Calendly for scheduling media meetings uh, to uh, Slack and Dropbox, there's this fundamental value that's created when an individual can start using it and then other folks can start using it and it just spreads right through word of mouth or some form of virality. And meetings is one of the most viral components because when we're in a meeting, you're going to see fireflies. You're going to ask me what it is or I will tell you. Um, And then you'll experience the notes afterwards before you even sign up and then you'll sign up. So I think we wanted to focus on word of mouth as our core marketing uh, standard. I remember taking some classes at Wharton and there was a professor that was talking about why things go viral. And I remember reading his book that he wrote as well. And he said, the best form of marketing is when someone is talking about you and you're not talking about yourself, right? I believe that if someone is talking about your brand in a positive way and sharing it, that has a lot more social proof and validation than you bragging about yourself. 
which we see a lot of times on LinkedIn where people, mm -hmm. most of their posts are self-congratulatory. So that was something that I also felt like I wanted to build a business where marketing and sales wasn't the main thing. It was going to be product and customer oriented. Um, so that that was really the, the push. Um, and then Fireflies naturally lent itself to product-led growth because one, it's not a specific vertical that uses it. It's everyone inside an organization, whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in recruiting, everyone can benefit from having the AI node taker. Um, and the second thing is it should be so easy and frictionless to get started. I just log in, I connect it to my calendar. It then sees the Zoom calls on my calendar or, or Microsoft Teams calls, and then it joins those meetings. Uh, and then afterwards, the aha moment, the instant value, I get the transcript, I get the recording, I get the video recording. I also get a summary and uh, quickly I can go through a one hour call in five minutes. So the aha moment wasn't weeks or months. It was literally uh, within minutes of using the product. Uh, I think those things all lent itself to product led growth. Um, and we definitely went against a lot of conventional advice back in the day because they said, hey, this is a new technology. You need to go after a use case where there's a lot of money. You should go after like sales or call centers uh, and you need to be very focused on a specific niche uh, and then you need to charge like crazy for the product. Uh, for the value that we bring with Fireflies, we price it very, very reasonably and very fairly. In fact, if you look at some of the enterprise versions of our technology, uh, there are companies that will go charge $150 per month per user. Uh, Fireflies, you can get started for $10 to $20 per month. And uh, we wanted to be so that like the cost barrier uh, was not something you even thought about. And you're like, wow, if I were to transcribe one meeting, it would cost me, you know, $60. If I was to transcribe two meetings, it would cost me $120 with a human or some of those other services out there. Whereas for that same price point, I can get a year long subscription to Fireflies and I can have it capture all of my Zoom meetings uh, over the span of a year. And that value dynamic also reduces tremendous amount of friction and increases willingness for people to want to try and use the product. There are so many follow-up questions I have. I actually, I, I legitimately, we could end the podcast right, right here and it would already be a valuable, valuable show for our audience. So uh, let me, let me unpack some of what you said. So coming back to one of the earlier parts there, this, this two for one, right? That, that's essentially what Fireflies is. And it's got that Dropbox, that Slack kind of thing. It's like, and what I mean by that is two users for every one utilization of the product. So like no one's going to have a meeting on their own, right? You have to have a meeting with at least one other person. Um, and that's where every time, so every time Fireflies shows up, it's showing up for at least two people, um, which naturally lends itself to scalability. I'm curious, from what you've seen out there, do you ever see other startups thinking they have this when in reality they don't? This I like the two for one or, or like that inherent virality or scalability? I would it would be hard for me to say which companies have it, which companies don't. Even within our own industry, there's been some fast followers that try to literally copy every part of Fireflies. It's, it's difficult. Um, and they'll try. They'll try to build a, maybe a bot. Um, they'll try to do some of these things, but I think critical mass is extremely important no matter what you're working on. So I'm sure there were a dozen Slack clones or competitors, but why did Slack succeed? Um, there's probably a lot of people working on cloud storage, but it was really Dropbox and Box that nailed it uh, to an extent. 
Uh, there were many scheduling tools that were out there, uh, but Calendly reached critical mass. And so I think for PLG and virality and the two for one to work, you need to be laser focused on that critical mass that you want to deliver. And so when you talk about AI note taker, the first thing that runs into a person's mind is, oh, fireflies, right? It's mm -hmm. become synonymous with that, like how uh, search is synonymous with Google. And that happens for now. a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of evolution. <laughs> Actually, we recently just bought AINotetaker.com because every time someone mentions AINotetaker on Twitter, it's usually like fireflies. So we're like, nice. you know what? Let's just buy the domain, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is great, um, which is which has been nice. And uh, and then we didn't try to fight against that because we've had advisors tell us, oh, is all you want to be known as a, is an AI note taker because you do so much more because we do analysis. Uh, we tell you uh, what parts of a call like that your customers had friction and uh, sentiment. And we tell you uh, where there's potential blockers or objections. So there's so much to the platform, but the AI note taker is really the hook that gets people through the door. And then they discover, oh, Fireflies is like a knowledge base. I can search through all my past conversations. Uh, I have a repository of insights and data. And so there's like a whole enterprise use case, which we don't even have to touch on right now. But um, but the hook was really important. So to your question, I think the answer is there are companies that may lend themselves to product-led growth, but aren't able to tap or crack into the critical mass. So if you're looking to compete with Fireflies today, there's a couple angles people will go at it. One is, oh, um, we will probably try to do the same thing that they do. Maybe we can compete on price, but we're also one of the lowest price products on the market. So it's tough for you to compete on price because we have economies of scale. If you're looking to compete with us in terms of virality and uh, familiarity, well, we have a lot of people that are already using Fireflies and then it's spreading through word of mouth. So that's that makes the virality channel hard to hit. Um, and then you may think, oh, we're going to try to compete on the technology part, but we're already working with OpenAI and we're doing mm -hmm. a lot of work in terms of creating the best summary notes for people and giving a lot away for uh, upfront. And then finally, people will realize, okay, I guess we can do that. Let's go focus on a niche. Like, let's do note taking for recruiters and build a vertical SaaS product around that. But then they'll quickly realize, oh, Fireflies has a designated AI note taker for recruiters, for salespeople, uh, for marketers. And so you have to think about like the different angles that, you, that which you go through uh, and then see how can you like compete. So we try to like look at each layer of risk and how do we de-risk the product. Um, and uh, I, I think, again, we didn't have a master plan from day one, but those are some of the things that I that I think about. The one well, core yeah. thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, the one core thing is critical mass and then having a product that has mass uh, appeal. Um, so you're almost like a B2C company in a B2B market. Those are the two, two, two criteria. Some companies that have done really well, you know, you can look at Grammarly's of the world, um, you know, that Calendly, own that space. Yeah. Uh, Calendly's own that space. So, yeah, you look at the thing, broad appeal, and they've reached critical mass and some level of sharing. Yeah. And that's, you know, this is that idea of the horizontal market versus going vertical. And you mentioned earlier, some other people in the space, you know, you didn't name them, but we know it's, it's like Gong, um, Wingman, which, which is actually something that I have for my purposes, um, which is recently bought by Clary. So now it's Clary Copilot. There was Chorus back in the day, they were bought by Zoom Info. <clears throat> These are ones that have decided 
we're going to focus on the revenue professional and we're going to build around that. And then the product really is designed specifically to support that, like that profession. It's not meant to support necessarily like, um, I don't know, like a doctor or something like that. I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. Uh, it's not meant to serve anybody. It's meant to serve specifically one user type or one one group of user types for a specific function and, and everything else is built around that. And that has its merit, right? And I would say, you know, and Gong did a very good job of creating the category of uh, revenue intelligence um, and, and they've built that up. And I would imagine... You don't look at Gong as a competitor, and they don't, and Gong doesn't look at you as a competitor because you've built another category here, which is around AI note taking. Now, I also want to hit on you know, in addition to the to the the horizontal versus the vertical approach. I also want to hit on this notion of in being horizontal. Is there a way you can almost be like you want to hit on a lot of personas, but is there is there a limit to like how how wide can horizontal go or can it really be anything? We believe in like a market dominant strategy and how do you get the most value to the most number of people uh, in a most in the most scalable way. So, uh, you know, we've built out most of the things that Gong customers would find appealing in terms of conversation intelligence and analytics, speaker talk time, and we make it easier for you to access those features. There's not a lot of bells and whistles, um, but, you know, through the process, we've had hundreds of X gong chorus wingman customers come mm -hmm. over as a result because they realize, oh, you have 90% of everything that a vertical SaaS product has, plus you're easy to use and your price point makes it so that I don't have to just give it out to my 10 salespeople, but I can actually get all 100 people in my org using mm -hmm. this and there's value there. So I think, yes, we're an AI note taker and we start there, but it's much easier for us to go from horizontal to upmarket and to specialize than it is if you're already a specialized product with a certain sales motion to go and say, we're going to add PLG to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's definitely the case, right? It's much easier for a Dropbox or a Box or even a Figma to go enterprise after like nailing the individual use case and the team use case. Um, so it's part of the DNA and the type of company you build. So if you're very sales dependent and you're selling at a high price point, you need to look about margins and commissions and uh, flows. Uh, it, it's it's a little bit challenging. You know, it's funny you mentioned doctors. Fireflies recently got HIPAA compliance. And so we're going to have a HIPAA version nice. of our product for <laughs> doctors as well. So I think the sky is the limit and market dominant strategy means you will put yourself in many different places. Again, if the core technology is the same and you are just shaping it, positioning it a little bit differently for each of those orgs that to cater to their needs, um, I think that's a really interesting place. Like think about Zoom, right? How silly would it be if someone said, this is Zoom, but you can only use it for sales meetings and you can only use it with <laughs> salespeople and revenue leaders. Maybe you can build some bells and whistles that will let you send some sales collateral or sales enablement stuff um, through that uh, specific sale, Zoom for sales product. But there's a reason Zoom succeeded. They built incredible technology that's horizontal, that's scalable. Uh, they did well during the pandemic, dealing with that high spike in traffic and stuff. I almost believe consumer companies build better infrastructure and better technology uh, <laughs> because of the scale at which you have to support, right? Like the things, Facebook, think about how many files you're uploading to Facebook, images, videos. I could argue people are uploading more data to Facebook 
and Instagram than like Dropbox, right? So you have to build incredible infrastructure. So being PLG is not easy. Also, it's a slower path to revenue in the early days, and then you accelerate over time. Uh, but you have to have incredible grit when it comes to uh, supporting customers and building great infrastructure. And many people realize it doesn't make sense for me to spend so much building a product like that and then charging pennies on the dollar when I can build for a niche. So there is fundamental value in, in the different things that you do. But I'm a huge fan of Atlassian and then their model for how they built their company for product-led. Uh, it's about high volume, high velocity, low price point. And uh, I believe that if people should feel like, wow, this is a no brainer for me to want to use Fireflies. Oh, and look at that. They have other add-ons and extensions and apps on top that will help me do my sales use case. That will help me do some of these other, other things on top. So uh, we're more focused on building a platform now and then building an ecosystem uh, for others to build on top of as well. So uh, I think that's the one way you can scale. Uh, Slack's done that brilliantly with their app store. So that that's the direction you probably have to go. Yeah. One of the things you've mentioned is the intentionality behind not going the route of hiring a sales team. I want to double click and, and dive into that a little bit more. But before I do, I just want to take a step back and look at, you know, fundamentally, when we talk about product-led growth, it requires a stable product. So for listeners, if you're out there thinking about your own product and whether you can go the product-led growth strategy, you got to make sure the software, the technology is actually up to par. So the question I then have for you listeners is, how are you developing it? Are you sending it to an offshore team where if they just flip a switch, you lose all access to your code, or they can possibly even build something that's just a shell and it looks good on the outside, but the inside is pretty, pretty shaky and is a house of cards. You want to make sure if you don't have the technical know-how yourself or the skills yourself, that you're going to the right partner. And Akeva is the software development partner to help you go from zero to one. So whether you are building on the blockchain or no chain at all, whether you're building AI or dumb humans, whether you're building Web3, Web2, a mobile app, or a SaaS, Akeva is here to build it at startup speed and enterprise-level refinement. That's why hundreds of startups have trusted Akeva, like Stride Health, Haveno, Olive, Side, and so many more, all the way from their first dollar up to their billion-dollar valuation, and they're ready to help you become the GOAT to market. I send startups to Akeva all the time, and they've got a killer offer for you. It's called a You Call It Code Review. What is that? Well, Akeva will review the most critical parts of your code so you can see exactly what your tech needs to launch or to scale. And they'll do this completely free, and then you call it from there. So they'll do the code review, and then they'll give you their findings. And then if you want to handle it on your own, fine, you call it. If you want to take it somewhere else, fine, you call it. If you want Akeva's help, great, you call it. It's a you call it code review. Nobody else offers something like that. So if you are ready to see if you qualify for a you call it code review, just head to akeva.io. That's A-K-A-V-A dot I-O, akeva I-O. Today on the Goat to Market show, we've got Chris Ramaneni, the co-founder and CEO of Fireflies AI, and we're talking about their scale through product-led growth. Now, before the break there, Krish, I mentioned how you, you've been successful in scaling the product without hiring a sales team, which is the traditional you know, B2B path. 
but you're like, hey, we're a B2C company masked as a B2B, you know, with a B2B market more or less, or a B2B software. So in that decision of not hiring a sales team and really going like, hey, word of mouth is going to matter here, all those kinds of things. Obviously, the product itself is strong. And we talked about the two for one and stuff like that. Does content play a role at all in helping people understand that this thing exists? Or are you just really just like, hey, we're going to get this, get a couple people to start using it, and then they're going to see it in their meeting, and then they're going to sign up and so forth. Was there content at any point in this? We actually spent almost $0 on traditional marketing channels, like so SEM, performance marketing, ads. Uh, even a lot of our SEO work is really on educating users about the product. Like we're not trying to like keyword stuff and write like a thousand junky articles and try to rank. So that wasn't a tactic we've used. Um, we felt like those are things you're going to have to use if you're a traditional SaaS company and you're trying to do demand generation and you're trying to get leads through the door and then have them book demos and qualify them. Um, but fortunately, we've been focused so much more on the product led motion and building growth engines uh, setting up like uh, different programs for users to refer us, affiliate programs, these sort of things. Uh, we focused on building more community and the brand and then having that work to our advantage. And that's something that we were investing, you know, very, very deeply in. And on the sales motion, for the longest time, we didn't have salespeople. Today, we've recently introduced what we call customer onboarding managers, where if folks are coming in, uh, we want to let them buy on their own. But a lot of times, even if all the information is there, some buyers require handholding, especially larger companies, uh, folks that are uh, not as like tech savvy potentially. And so we have people there. So we want to allow people to buy the way that they want. So if a majority of people just want to go through our self-service flow, great. Um, the free tier, the free trial, fantastic. Uh, but we also have people here to answer your questions Um and I really think of it as more of a service that we're providing to folks there. Hey, we have a designated person that you can do a demo with and ask specific questions if you need. So and that's been a successful program for us as well, the customer onboarding uh, managers. The amazing thing is they don't have to do any outbound. It's really about tons of inbound and lots of service and helping get people value, right? They're not very pushy sales-like people either. Uh, it's really around, let's get you the most value and let's get you aware that this technology exists, the product, what problems are we solving for you? Um, so I'm not against sales at all. Uh, but I think my thought process around sales has changed is that if you use sales as a form of service, it can be very effective. And if you couple that with a good product, uh, and you use sales as a way to educate uh, your customer base, fantastic. So um, but there are other folks where they don't have all of the other stuff in place, like a good product, good self-service, good explain explanatory videos and all that stuff, right? So where a great salesperson can cover for all the gaps in your product. And we didn't want to do that. Like we want to just put ourselves out there and uh, make sure that it could be sold without uh, a person. And then sales is an amplifier on top of that. Well, so I, I hear you on, and I hear you on like where sales can play a role, but, and I also hear you on not needing to go the route of like SEM or, or SEO or that kind of stuff. But did you leverage like, like, did you have like a blogging strategy or anything like that to get people to like product aware? Or I mean, fundamentally, even, I don't know if this was starting before, but now anyway, doing podcasts is in itself 
a form of content to make people more product aware? Like uh, any of those kinds of things that aren't, they're either low or no cost that you were instituting along the way? For us, we've definitely invested in writing blogs. and uh, But again, the blogs that tend to do well are where we're educating our customers more product marketing rather than mm. SEO marketing. Uh, I think other channels that have worked really well for us really comes back to affiliates, uh, referrals, uh, people that are promoting. So you go on LinkedIn and when people like write a long, you know, five paragraph post about why they love fireflies, that's the best marketing out there. And like, how can we keep promoting and nurturing and uh, showing as much love to those folks that are showing love to us? Uh, that's our ultimate marketing strategy. As funny as that sounds, um, we also do a lot of growth marketing. So we're, we have a team that's very data oriented, running experiments and uh, uh, running a lot of A-B tests and all that sort of stuff on the core product side. And then we have the other side to us, the qualitative side. Uh, which is more about showing love to the community and making sure that uh, they're having a very amazing experience. So I still read every single user that churns. I read their note that they leave, why they decided to part ways with Fireflies. Um, I read like all the positive notes uh, that people leave about Fireflies. So being just really tapped into the customers and then always asking myself, where do we fall short? Where are we not uh, really satisfying our customer base and how can we get better? Right. And so that lets you build that loving brand um, to the best of your ability. Yeah. Yeah. I have so many more questions I want to ask you, but unfortunately, we are running out of time. So let's head to our wrap up. First question, very easy here, Chris. Where can our listeners find you? Where can they learn more about Fireflies? You can visit fireflies.ai to use it, see it, uh, get started. And then you can follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, You can follow me on LinkedIn or uh, Twitter. I'm pretty more active. Uh, I'm trying to get more active on social media these days. Uh, Usually been more under the radar type person. Uh, But yeah, that's that's, that's the place where you can find me. This podcast is where you plant the flag in the ground and start being more active in general (laughs) and less behind the scenes. Um, Chris, who is one person who you want to give a shout out to? When we first started looking into SaaS, we didn't know much about what building a SaaS product was. Again, out of college, uh, very little work experience. Uh, I think the Saster podcast, the blog was fundamental. So Jason Lemkin, so he's the godfather of SaaS for uh, duly the right reason. And uh, he's played a very instrumental role in helping us cut through all the BS and clutter and learning about what SaaS actually looks like from zero to wherever, right? Let's now do our final top one or two lessons or takeaways for the listeners based on the discussion today. I'll go first and I'll toss it to you. The topic today was scaling product-led growth. Um, there was a ton that that you covered. I just want to come back to one soundbite you said, and that was that critical mass is extremely important to, to, to succeed in product-led growth. Krish, top one or two lessons for the listeners? I go back to the fact about reduced friction and be transparent with your customers. And this will allow you to get them to see the product as quickly as possible, get to the aha moment as quickly as possible. uh, And then that will lead to all the other benefits, right? It's really about focusing on not just the top of the funnel, but like activation and uh, getting people through the door uh, and experiencing the magic that whatever you're building has to offer. My final question, which is how we end every episode on this show, Fill in the blank, Krish. Entrepreneurship is blank. 
a lot of hard, hard days and a lot of uh, nights where you are questioning yourself. And uh, eventually you realize that you would want to go through all that suffering uh, and still find it to be worth it. No further explanation needed. He is Chris Ramanani, co-founder and CEO of Fireflies AI. Guess what? I have a million other questions I want to ask Chris. If you were listening to this and there were questions that came to your mind and your, your neurons are on fire the way mine are right now, the action doesn't stop here. We've got an Ask Me Anything going down in the Goat to Market Club the entire first week that this episode is live. So Chris is hopping into our community, the Goat to Market Club. And he's answering your questions. Anything you want to build on with product-led growth. If you want to know about that drone delivery startup that they that they originally started with for Fireflies, everything is on the table. It's all fair game. Go to Market Club is easy to join. Just head to startuphypeman.com slash GTM dash club. It's free to sign up. You get your first month free and then it's $9 a month after that. Cancel anytime. That's a better deal than Netflix, y'all. Plus you get so much other amazing exclusive content along the way. So we'll see Chris inside of the GTM club for his Ask Me Anything. Krish, thank you so much today for joining on the Goat to Market show. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great and uh, had a great time. Thanks, Raj. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you again to our guests for joining and sharing their knowledge. Did you like what you heard? Well, leave us a rating and review on your podcast app before you head out of here. And while you're at it, who's one friend who you think would find value in hearing today's conversation? Go ahead and share the episode with them. I would really appreciate it. And I thank you for doing that. Remember, we've got more going down with our guest inside Goat to Market Club. Think of it like the after show, the after party, the after hours special. Our guest is going to hop inside the club and do an Ask Me Anything. So you can follow up with any of those questions that came to mind as you were listening. You can follow up and ask them to our guest inside our club. To join, just head to startuphypeman.com slash gtm dash club. Startuphypeman.com slash gtm dash club. GTM Club is $9 a month, but your first month is free. You can cancel anytime. And you're not only getting the AMAs, you're also getting our monthly strategy drops that are for members only, where we're teaching hyper-specific tactical go-to-market strategies, plus cool member-to-member interactions and other bonus resources. All of that happens inside the club. So again, startuphypeman.com slash GTM dash club. We'll see you inside the club and we'll see you next week. But before you head out, remember, why be a unicorn when you can be the GOAT?